You're listening to Dancing Around Elephants, a podcast that talks to dancers about the elephant in the room, dance injuries. I'm Danelle Dixon, a dancer turned physical therapist, and I currently work with dancers helping them get past their challenges to access the next level of their dance careers. I'm sitting down to talk with dancers about their journey, their injuries, and how they have successfully navigated past the elephant in the room. My goal is to change the way we approach injuries in the dance community, and it all starts with a conversation. Let's get started. Hi everyone, my name is Danelle Dixon, I'm a physical therapist with Performance Plus Physical Therapy, and today I have Ms. Zara Bartel, a very special guest <laughs> I'm very excited to interview, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about Zara. So, Zara so Bartels was God. the youngest in the Caribbean School of Dance, which is one of our home um, dance schools back in Trinidad and Tobago, to do the Royal Academy of Dancing intermediate and advanced exams I mean, with highly commended scholarships both to Bal Hispanico twice, to RAD's summer program at Vassar College Ecole Classic in Australia and Ecole Classic in Australia she's one of the founding members of the Metamorphosis Dance Company which is a dance company based in Trinidad and Tobago um, she's also received a full academic and dance scholarship to Fordham University graduated with honors and on the dean's list and was the first inaugural class of the Ailey Fordham BFA program, which was in... Uh, we started in 98. I graduated in 2002. Okay, there we go. She's also performed pieces choreographed for her by Nathan Trice, Eagle Perry, worked with Kazuko Harabayashi. Kazuko Hirabayashi. Thank you for that correction. No worries. She's Ju- a Graham master. Fantastic. Um, Ms. Judith Jameson of the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theatre, um, Christopher Huggins, and has been the longest retained dance captain for the Lion King here in London in the UK. Um, she danced for 10 years again as a dance captain and has recently switched careers into operations about five years ago, where she's focusing on building processes, protocols, systems for companies to support scalability. And since starting her new career, she's worked with music technology, medical... M- Medtech. Medtech, yeah. online games, PR companies, and plans to work in many different industries. So, welcome, Zara. Hey. So excited to interview you. So, background a little bit for you guys. Um, growing up in Trinidad and Tobago, um, when I started a little bit of my dance career, this was a girl who was right next to me all this time. Wine on point shoes. Yes, we had <laughs> the most amazing time um, just dancing and learning and getting stuff together. So it is yeah. really special for me to interview her because it's like a little bit of flashback into time. Which I was know, right? One yes. of the best, best ever times ever. Yeah, so, good memories. Good memories. So... We, we are just really going to dive in and learn all about Zara and what she has experienced and how she can really help us to understand, you know, through her career, what she has done with her injuries um, and her experience with it and share a lot of her golden tips that can really help you guys. So I hope they help. Hopefully. So number one, Miss mm-hmm. Zara, tell me a little bit more about yourself and how you came into dancing. A little bit more about myself. Well, Firstly, I'm going to tap myself on the shoulder. Not just the youngest in the Caribbean School of Dancing, but in the Caribbean region. Yes, you guys hear that? To do that already intermediate Amazing and advanced. Um, mm-hmm. About me, mm-hmm. came from Trinidad and Tobago. Mm-hmm. Uh, loved being there. Left home when I was about 15 to go to Fordham. Um, graduated 
loved my dance career and then realized, well, not the, and then realized, I always kind of knew that there was going to be something else for me. Mm -hmm. So it was just inevitable that my career was going to happen. And I knew that I wanted to end when I wanted to end. And it wanted to be, it had to be on my terms and then move into another career. And also like, you know, as you get older, evenings and weekends matter a little bit more. <laughs> Social lives, like you end up having nieces and nephews and birthday parties that when you're in theater, that just can't happen. Right. Um, so that's me from that side. What else about me? I mean, I just live, you just, just live in, I enjoy it. Like, you know, no new forever. Yes. And I think, I think that's my favorite part about my life at the moment is the fact that I, that phrase, no new friends is so real for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I was thinking about what's my most recent friend and even my most recent friend who is, you know, they all become family after seeing the money years. That's like a good 10, 12 years. Yep. You know, so I yep. think that's my favorite element about me. And I also think that um, I saw this, um, I think, on Instagram a couple of days ago that they're your friends and then your dance friends. Yeah. Completely different yeah. set of experiences yep. and connections. Yeah. And your dance friends stay with you for life. I think yep. we all know that. That's true. Yeah, so. And especially like my dance friends like this one mm -hmm. who like, I mean, we really, when I think about how long we've known each other oh my God. and the different hairstyles we've seen each other through, <laughs> yeah. the different places of location, like yes. the kind of trouble you used to get up to, yes, we fried a lot of chicken and boil corn when we rehearsing all day that Fred would make. Eating doubles right before class. Anything. No, yeah, not, not yeah. a good idea. Not a good idea. Um, at least when you get older, it don't work as yeah. much. Yeah. So. You know, walking after, because we went to the same high school as well. Yes, we did. So walking did. from school over to Car Caribbean, like, you know, it's been, it's been great. It's been a great journey. Yeah, awesome. So, yeah. So tell me a little bit, because you started in dancing and then you went, you transitioned to mm -hmm. theater. Tell me about that. So my story is very not, t it's very atypical. And mm -hmm. that means not typical, right? Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, trying to sound all sensible and thinking, and you're like, is that the right way? Um, but for me, I actually was going to not dance when I graduated from mm -hmm. Fordham because I was tired. Really? Yeah, Fordham was is not it's not an easy program. We were the first class, so we went through the paces. Like apparently now it's a little easier because they realized they were likely gonna kill people. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I would never change those four years for anything. Not to mention like the relationships I built, but my training from there just perfectly complemented my training from Caribbean school mm -hmm. in Trinidad and that's what made me able to have the career that I had mm -hmm. um, so for me ending up in theater was if I'm real honest I wanted to make money okay like that's important I love dancing but I am not built to wait tables mm -hmm. I am not built to not know where my next paycheck is coming from mm -hmm. so I took the approach of okay I love this dancing. I want to do this dancing. How can I make sure I can buy shoes as well and feel comfortable mm -hmm. with knowing my bills are solid and everything? And one of the approaches was musical theater. Okay. Because if you're in the States on Broadway, your minimum is a weekly salary. And it's a ridiculous weekly salary, even for the average person. Like, you get well paid if you're on Broadway, right? Mm -hmm. um, I ended up in London because Lion King made me an offer to go to one of three shows, so New York, um, London, or Germany. Mm -hmm. And I chose London because my dad would visit me here. Because mm -hmm. um, he is African, he's from Ghana. Mm -hmm. And he grew up here and he went to university here and this was his city. And he was, I mean, he's not anti-American, but America's not 
was not his choice of place to go and visit. Like my sister and I were both there. We both graduated. My sister renovated a house and he was like, send pictures, you know? <laughs> and I was like, and then the minute I said I was moving to London, he's like, oh, I'll come up with you and help you find a place. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. And then okay. he was constantly here. So that so was, was one of my reasons. it was an obvious choice for you. It was an obvious choice. And then mm -hmm. I'd been in New York. I'd done New York. I knew what New York was about. Yes. Um, and it was a great opportunity to see the rest of the world. And I mean, I always say this to my New York friends when they come back and they're like, when are you coming back? And you know, when I first moved to London, I was like, I'll do a year's contract and I'll be back. I'm a New Yorker. And then I, two things happened. One was I went back for Christmas and mm -hmm. I will never forget this. Christmas 2003, I was wearing a beautiful cream puma coat with like this big hood. And I walked into the subway and I was like, oh, I can't sit on these seats in this jacket. <laughs> <laughs> like this place is too dirty because I don't know if you all have seen the underground hair, but the tube is... Compared to New York subways, it it's pristine. Spotless. Like you can lick off the floor. I mean, you wouldn't and you shouldn't, but compared, spotless. it's spotless. Exactly. So, so I, yeah. yeah, I was like, Everyone yeah. is not built for New York. Everyone exactly. Everyone is definitely not built for New York. And, and then, once you've experienced differently, you're just like, mm, is it? Idea. Yeah, and you like know? New York is great. And I think it's amazing, mm -hmm. especially for the arts and creativity. And it's great, like, I think University of New York was the best thing ever. Mm -hmm. I had such an amazing time. But you know, as you grow older and things like, oh, I want to go to museums and culture is very different here. Yeah. And there's a nice, what I found with London is that coming from the Caribbean and our very chill approach to life, mm -hmm. there's, like when I first moved here especially, there was this thing where on Sundays, it felt like a Sunday in the Caribbean in that people were home, mm -hmm. city shut down a little bit, like stores closed, mm -hmm. you know, like John Lewis wasn't, never used to be open on a Sunday. And if it was, it was like 12 to six max. John Lewis, John Lewis is like a big department store, okay. like your Macy's. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and so there was that, it felt a nice balance between a little bit of pace and a little bit of something, but at the same time, they kind of knew how to dress Scale it back, back and chill bit. out a little yeah. bit. Okay. Um, and then the other thing was, I realized that you could go to Paris for dinner and come back home. And you hey. can't do that if you live in New York, right? right? E easy choice, so, guys. Easy choice. <laughs> so yeah, long story easy, short, easy that's, choice. that's why right, I'm here. So tell me, um, kind of going back to your bio, you mm -hmm. also had an experience in Australia. Tell me about yeah. that. Ooh, that was interesting. So I was 12, mm -hmm. 13, 12, 13. Um, I, one of the examiners for RID, Prudence Bowen, I can't believe I remember that name now. Mm -hmm. um, she, I think she was, she did my intermediate exam actually. Okay. And she was very closely associated with the Sydney Ballet. Hi guys. So I wanted to jump in here and talk a bit about RAD. So RAD, you've probably heard Zara and myself refer to this quite a bit, stands for Royal Academy of Dancing. And it is a UK-based examination board specializing in dance education and training with an emphasis in classical ballet. It started in the UK, of course, and then went across a lot of countries um, across the world. There are quite a, a few Commonwealth countries, including Trinidad and Tobago, in which this type of ballet training was also very prevalent, which is why we both grew up and referred to it quite frequently. All right. There, it's really, um, three types of, it's a graded syllabus that, um, that occurs where you do classical ballet. You also do free movement and in character dance, which has a combination of Hungarian, Russian, and Polish folk dancing. Um, starts at five years old, goes all the way up, and it's a very graded um, system where every year you learn a syllabus and then you are basically sit an examination to get on to the next level. So when you hear us say RAD, 
feel free to look it up on your own time. I'll post the link in the comments. That's what we're referring to. Okay, so back to me and Zara. And so she was like, do you want to come and dance with us for a couple months and mm -hmm. train and stuff? And I was like, yeah, why not? And then my mother was like, yeah, why not? It's across the world. And how are we going <laughs> to figure this out? And I was like, yeah, good point. So I left it up to them to figure mm -hmm. out. And I just was told, get on the plane. I ended up getting a scholarship and they paid for like airfare and stuff. My mother came with me for a couple of months and I chilled in Australia and danced with them. And it was great. And I mean, I was a bald 12 year old as well, as you remember. I remember. And Yo, Zara, that's some interesting <laughs> We're going to get some pictures of that before you can see it. Yes. Yes. I, I made the decision at 10 years old to shave off my hair. Yeah. So I, crazy. I was a bald teenager uh -huh. in the 80s. No, 90s by then. 90s. Mm -hmm. um, which was rare at the time. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, yeah, so I was a black girl in Sydney dancing ballet with a bald head. But the best part was that they were so enamored with me. One, our accent takes us everywhere. But two, I mean, I guess I was a pretty good dancer. But most importantly, she was, a pretty good dancer. was that I was from Trinidad and Tobago, and that's where Brian Lara was from. <laughs> that's all that mattered so in guys, Australia. Cricket, sorry. Cricket, we're talking about cricket. This is another <laughs> international game yeah. that most Americans do not know about that is huge everywhere else. Yep, India, and Europe, India and Australia, Australia. Is, one big, is one of the most yeah. biggest hubs. And Trinidad and Tobago, we're part of the West Indies team. Yeah. Um, and we have a local hero, I guess, called yeah. Ryan Lara, who did amazing he has world in. records that haven't been broken. I don't know, but we got a holiday for them, 500 know, runs, and that's all I cared about. This. It was interesting <laughs> stuff. But that, that was the connection there. In yeah, terms sorry. Of, um, Brian Lara was really this guy who, you know, did amazing in cricket, and that's how Trinidad and Tobago got its yeah. best in terms of cricket. So now you know. If you yes. didn't know, now you know. Look it up. Google it. All righty. So that was a really interesting. Yeah, so, it was so great. So tell me, what did you, add, because you're 12, yeah. you know what I mean? You're in another country. Yeah. What experience did you take from that that kind of guided you through your career? You know, it's really interesting you ask these questions and you sent me like these in advance kind of looking. I was like, wow, they're now making me think about some things course, that I've actually never think. even thought about yes. when you think about yes. it. But come on, it's um, interesting. I think at 12 and dancing in a different country and obviously being the... It was quite funny because we did this whole piece and I forget, but I think it was... I don't remember what ballet it was, but we were chickens. Mm -hmm. And in the pictures, you know, we all had on yellow tights, but I was the only black girl and my tights came out green on me. Like by the time you put it over my skin oh, yeah, tone, yeah, yeah. they were green. It was quite funny. Um, but I think that was the moment that I kind of decided, you know what, if you're going to do this, you have to one, recognize you're going to probably be the anomaly mm -hmm. because ballet except for in the Caribbean. You don't really see it. Like now you see a lot of black chicks doing ballet, Misty Copeland, all these sorts. Mikaela, I forget her last name, but she's a brilliant dancer. I know her. Um, yeah. You know who I'm talking mm -hmm. about, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I recognize that ballet was my thing and I was going to be the anomaly. And it's either, do I want to be the anomaly? And am I going to embrace this? Mm -hmm. And I think at 12, I just kind of went about it. And I also come from, like my mother's, you know, I, I call my mother, she's a gangster. She's the original gangster. So... <laughs> I just kind of was like, yeah, let's do this. You know, mm -hmm. she, she was, both my parents were totally supportive. And if it was what I wanted to do, then let's make it happen. And I think from then on, mm -hmm. that was me going, okay, you've traveled halfway around the world. You've done the jet lag thing. You have to kind of, this is your thing. And I think that was probably the moment where I was like, okay, 
I'm committed to it. I'm committed and yeah. I'm going to do it. And, and that's interesting. So the thing that brought you into it was a difference in race and being in another country. Yeah. And I think a lot of other dancers have different other things that bring them to that point. Of, Am I doing this? Am I committing to this? Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting that that was a circumstance where you were like, I'm a dancer. This is what I'm doing. Yeah. And other people have had different experiences. So that yeah. was re- that's interesting. This happened yeah. at 12 guys. 12 yeah. years old. And she was a crazy Crazy asshole here. Was I though? I feel like I was. I mean, I was a little bit of a brat, but I kind of knew what I wanted. I was very, very set in my ways. Yes. Determined. Yeah, I definitely was. I think a good word to describe her, but we'll get it. Yeah, we could get it to this. (laughs) So let's kind of get back on track Mm -hmm. here. So. Tell me about your first encounter with a significant injury that stopped you for dancing for more than one week. It was in a three-legged race on a sports day. <laughs> oh, that's going to be good. Guys. It was in CIC grounds. Uh-huh. CIC it grounds must, is in Trinidad, guys. Yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, it must have been a Bishop's high school one, so our high school. Mm-hmm. Did a three-legged race. And, man, I don't even remember who my partner was. And I really should have because she deserved one hot slap. <laughs> but, like, we just weren't, you know, we weren't in sync for this three-legged yeah. race. And all I remember was we were winning and we were nearly there. And I, like, wanted to be like, we winning this. So I kind of gave her the nudge, like, let's push on. She just didn't have the takeoff because I used to sprint as well. Mm-hmm. So I used to be a sprinter. So, like, the takeoff was good for me. And she just didn't have the takeoff. And I just heard, pow! And, and that was... then my hamstring was in a bundle by at the back of my knee. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, right or left? Like my left. Uh huh. Um, it was in the in a bundle, the back of my knee, and it, like I was in high school, and this was so probably so I would have come back from a call classics. So I was probably about thirteen, fourteen. Okay. And I had no other injuries ever before that, or that I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Miss Rose gave us um. Mm-hmm. Oh, what was that tincture that she used to give us for everything? No, rescue remedy. That was like oh, okay. the thing for everything, right? Miss Rowe is our old ballet yes. teacher, guys. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and yeah, and that was the first injury. And it was weird because I was like, oh, this sucks. This hurts. Okay, okay. what do we do now? So we are in Trinidad. Yeah. You just run this three-legged race. Yeah. Injured and ruptured. And yeah. From what you're telling yeah. me, your hamstring. What was the care that you received there? Outside of the tincture that that, <laughs> <laughs> that was really me. Um, I remember having electrotherapy, uh-huh. which I was just like, "You're gonna do what? Say who? Mm-hmm. What? Okay, fine." And I mean, at, at that age, you don't really question what people are doing and why they're doing it because they're the ones who know better than you. And on top of that, they're the adults, right? So they're the experts and the adults. So you, you don't think about going, "Is that the best for me?" And mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure it probably was because my hamstring was perfectly fine when we were done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't. And I think it was at an opportune time because my body was still growing mm-hmm. so my flexibility wasn't affected in the long run and it, it was so long ago now that I don't even remember how long I think it was over a month that I wasn't dancing I was kind of happy that I wasn't dancing because I didn't have to see Miss Deco <laughs> <laughs> um, my nemesis <laughs> who bless her heart now like I love the lady now but oh as a child Lord. that woman made Yo, me want to quit dancing like four times crazy and not Miss Deckel I'm talking about this one Miss Deckel is one of our old dance teachers um, we won't get into that but she was a strict Deckel, one she, she was a strict one which is probably why we didn't like it at yeah but the strict ones are all probably always and the now ones I that give you the best yeah. information you yeah know? now um, we can see that yeah know? exactly but at the so. time I was like Miss Deckel <laughs> and I, I I had four conversations with my mother about mm-hmm. quitting because of Miss Deco. And she was just like, I spent too much money on this. No, not because of Miss Deco. Like, ah. you have to come with a better reason. Anyway, back to the injury. So mm-hmm. we did electroshock therapy. I remember getting all my exercises. And I remember my mother making me do my exercises. Okay, who did you go to? Did you go to a doctor? Did you go to a physical therapist? 
went to I just remember it was in St. Anne's. Okay. <laughs> I would say we ne I never went to a doctor actually. No. I never went to a doctor. I went to a physical therapist first and mm -hmm. foremost. Because it wasn't a doctor thing. It was pretty obvious. It was Okay. This is what's happened. It was pretty clear. Mm -hmm. And you need to go to a therapist. Okay. And so it was a physical therapist that was in St. Anne's mm -hmm. that put the patches on me and ran electricity through me and gave me some exercises and massaged and I honestly think most of it was just a youthful body healing. Got it. And good and food. And how long were you in therapy for? Lord Donnell. I think so I think the electrotherapy bit was over two to three months if I remember correctly. And then the therapy one of the things I've always done is anytime I had an injury I continued the exercises okay, good. throughout. Like good. I never stopped whatever those were. So like yeah. my warm up changed mm -hmm. my even and that was actually also when I realized the importance of technique mm -hmm. and Tell how me more much about that. for me as a dancer, mm -hmm. if you don't have good technique, you need to just not. Okay. Like I'm that hardcore about technique. If you don't have that foundation, I don't see why you're doing it because that is the thing that's going to make you look good on stage. It's going to make you be able to do anybody's work that they put on you. It's going to make you have a long career. It's also a thing that's going to allow you to actually know what your body can and can't do. And I think understanding your capabilities and capabilities in the grand sense of the word, which is what your strengths and weaknesses are, that's your technique is the thing that's going to let you manipulate your capabilities to make you the best person. Okay. So if you don't focus on that technique, and that's why I think every dancer should have a hardcore, hardcore, so stable, so strong ballet foundation. Okay. Once you have that, I think you can do any other technique. So I'm, I'm going to challenge this belief mm -hmm. here. Why ballet and not modern? So I started off as a ballet dancer and I became a modern dancer, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, and I've seen people who've only ever done modern, okay. there's, a, there's an innate understanding that ballet and its rigor mm -hmm. and its approach to things like understanding turnout understanding the differences between turnout and parallel, mm -hmm. understanding all your arm lines, first, second, third, fourth, fifth position, arabesque, all of those very dogmatic, regimented approaches to things. And if you think about when we did RAD mm -hmm. and the repetition, that repetition of tandu, tandu, and you know, all those exercises that you have to learn, it starts to train you in a way of being able to one, pick up choreography like that, mm -hmm. retain choreography, mm -hmm. and figure out how to perform it, but perform it to perform it with a technique that then allows it to be stable and secure and minimizes your risk of injury on a stage as well. And that's, yes. how, that's how I feel about it. And modern dancers and having worked with people who have only trained in modern and are talented people so can pick up things and can understand the concepts of ballet, but if, because they didn't train in it and start from good toes, bad toes, and go through all of those things and feel how their body has changed as they've, as they've, as they've matured and mm -hmm. understanding what that turnout means. And it's not just in your hips, but it's actually all of your muscles, mm -hmm. you know, from your hips all the way down to your metatarsals. Mm -hmm. If you don't get that kind of understanding, I feel like in, when you need it, it, it's not it there. It fails you. It's it, not there. It's not there. So do you think that technique is really the difference between injury and no injury? For me, it was. Okay. For me. Tell me about that more. Um, so I never had small injuries. Mm -hmm. If I got injured, it was big. Bust your hamstring. Mm -hmm. um, like I've had foot surgery. Mm -hmm. But those are really my only two injuries. I never did. I never had an ankle problem until I stopped dancing. Mm. Um, I never had 
hip problems. I never had back problems. And I worked in the Lion King. So that added a whole nother layer of injury possibilities, right? Oh, yeah. Because, because you have headpieces. Yeah. You have headpieces that are four feet, like, front and back of you. You, had a, you have a big piece of wood on your head. Mm -hmm. You're dancing with like a six foot silk that's wrapped around your hands and attached to your head. Like, man, some of the things I have seen mm -hmm. with people going down and it's because, and it's really something as simple as in the lioness chant, you do a pencil turn, you have this silk wrapping around you. And I've seen people who just actually don't know how to do a pencil turn and come and from the pencil turn, you come out and you do two tuck jumps. Mm -hmm. Their technique was one that did not allow them to pick up their feet fast enough or understand the, the importance of having that Alignment. That alignment and yeah. your two heels together in that pencil turn that they got caught in that silk and then went down, yanked their neck, and it was a wrap. Like, wow. in one fell swoop, mash up your ankle, mash up your knee, and your neck. You know what I mean? Wow. And I've never had those situations ever happen to me wow. on that stage. So this is, this is really interesting because the experiences that you have had, and, and a lot of people who are listening to this and, and looking at this can really relate to this, is that the experience of you had has really kind of tied into your injury incidents. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, I think a lot of dancers do not make that connection. Mm -hmm. They just think that, well, you know, it was bad luck or it was bad timing. And they don't realize that the, the rigors in which you perfect your technique allows you the ability to just be more flexible in whatever environment that you're put into. Yeah. So for example, and I tell my dancers this all the time, and I, I'll give you a story that mm -hmm. would relate to this, is that the time when you, the thing that saves you from injury is always your technique. Because as you fatigue, if your body does not know automatically how to perform something, then the first thing to go is your technique. And yep. if your technique is not solid, then you're now performing these very challenging tasks without the technique to stabilize you and to save you and protect you. Yep. And, so um, you just put it in a way better, concise way. <laughs> <laughs> you put it in a very sensible, thoughtful approach. That's exactly what I've no, been trying but, to say the last five minutes. Yeah. But no, this is interesting. And, I, and, I, and this brings me back to the memory that we had at Dancing in Caribbean School of Dance. So I remember we would be doing points and we would go through the entire class. So we do the bar, we do adagio, PT allegro, grand allegro. Mm -hmm. And right in the middle of grand allegro is when Miss Rowe, which is our dance teacher, love her to death, would always give us very challenging technical things to do. Yeah, and, and then I she turned off the light. For, yes, <laughs> I hated her for that. I'm like, why, like, lady, you know we dying. And yeah. I look back at my career, and my career is not halfway as extensive as Zara's here, but I look back at my career and I'm like, this is why 10 years later out, I'm not dancing anymore. I know how to do a pencil turn. Yeah. Because that's innate. Like, like I, yeah. like there's no fatigue and that muscle memory and that motor planning yeah. that you're getting into the physical therapy side of it is so ingrained in me. I know exactly how to do that regardless of whether I'm fatigued or not. Yeah. And that is so key when you get into the higher levels of performance yeah. and theater in, in terms of... And doing eight shows a week with all sorts of other things involved. Yeah. And I mean, that was for me the most challenging thing about being a dance captain of the Lion King because mm -hmm. my job required me to audition dancers train them up teach them the show in like six weeks get them on that stage and maintain that and mm -hmm. you know if we knew that there's a problem fixing it before the audience could could um, notice but my biggest challenge with working with the dancers and honestly like the amount of fights we had these girls at one point wanted to get me fired because they were like this woman is a beast <laughs> there were a couple of things that really stood out to me in my career mm -hmm. and I realized it's because of how I was trained mm -hmm. so one the U.S. and the U.K. are very different mm -hmm. in training. Super different. Tell like, in it. the U.S., you come to class ready to work, warmed up, ready to go. There's no molly coddling. Mm -hmm. There's no hand holding. There's, this is what we're here to do, and we're here to do it well, and you have to show up. Also because the pool 
of talented people is so much bigger. Exactly. In the UK, sorry if I offend anyone, but my experience mm -hmm. is definitely not that. So one, of, so the training, especially in modern, I'm not in ballet. You can't knock them, right? Okay. I exists here. You can't knock them in ballet. But I worked with modern dancers, right? Mm -hmm. And specifically with um, the Lion King, it's based in Horton technique. Okay. And that is something that I trained very heavily in and love. And it became my second love after ballet. And it holds a very special, very dear to me. I trained under Anna Marie Forsyth, who is the premier Horton technique teacher. She wrote the book on it. I was in her videos, like, and I'm she a was Horton amazing, guys. girl. And let me tell you, I hated Horton. I'm a great Horton. <laughs> I hate, like, Lord knows my body here. I love a lateral T. Oh, Jesus. I love I a lateral T. T. Siding in. Hello, contraction. I'm in there with you. Well, go ahead. Graham was good. I, and I mean, like, I had amazing Graham teachers as well, mm -hmm. right? But so I was working with modern dancers, and here they don't. They teach no offense as well, but they teach Cunningham as a as a technique. And I'm just like, it is a great technique, but for me, Cunningham is one of those things that it's it's the icing on the cake technique. Mm -hmm. It's not the foundation technique. For modern, it's like Horton, it's Graham. If you do those two as modern techniques, as a training. You're pretty solid. You're, you're done, you're good. You're like you solid. could put anything on top of that and you mm -hmm. could figure it out and your body will yeah. get it and understand it and replicate and train properly. And here they didn't, they don't like, they didn't have a Horton B. So it was mm -hmm. very hard in auditions and it was very hard to get dancers to, to that point. And my part of my job was also teaching the weekly company class. Mm -hmm. And they used to complain that my class was too hard. Yeah. And I was like, okay, let's That's think about this. That's let's think about this. One, they didn't like the fact that I love to cross phrase. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it's a, it's a really good way to make sure that your mind and body are working at the same time. Mm -hmm. Because you also have to listen to music and count slightly differently and move through the music and make it work, right? So I mm -hmm. love cross phrasing. So one, cross phrasing for them is just too much work. Mm -hmm. And two, they were just like, you know, you come in and we just go. And I'm like, well, yeah, because you're supposed to reach 15 minutes before me and you're supposed to be warm and ready to go. And we only have an hour because of our schedule. So for, in my head, we only have time to do like, you know, get into a couple exercises. And I was teaching them, mm -hmm. like really trying to make sure that we use the Horton technique because you're using it on stage and give them that kind of knowledge. But also like we want to go across the floor and we want to do a bit of a combination. Got it. And we only have an hour. So, so you need to warm up yourself, right? Got it. So, so getting into, so kind of looking at the different techniques that you've experienced and the difference between the UK and the US, mm -hmm. what advice do you have for people in terms of technical training? Okay. That's hard because it, you know, you can't necessarily always change where you live. And I, I was very lucky to be able to have trained in Trinidad and had some amazing teachers there mm -hmm. and then gone to the U.S. and trained at the Ely School, which is, as we all know, very full amazing. with amazing teachers. And then come here and my boss here actually was one of Martha Graham's muses, Thea mm -hmm. Barnes, who I learned about in history class at Fordham. And it's like, so I've been super lucky. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think and I feel like I just lost your question. <laughs> So what, what advice do you have to people in terms of... Training, technique, training. right. Mm -hmm. So let's say people don't have the, the advantages that you and I had. Okay. I would say find the best ballet teacher you can find. Okay. I think for me, if you can figure out your body using ballet technique, then after that, it's about your, your natural inclination and talents. Okay. Find and that is something you could find in both countries that I've lived in. In mm -hmm. the US and the UK, you can definitely find great ballet teachers. And in Trinidad and Tobago. And in Trinidad and Tobago. Mm -hmm. um, so I think if you had limited access, mm -hmm. ballet, get your ballet under like under your belt because after that, it's 
it's who you are that you put on top of it. And uh -huh. also, most choreographers don't choreograph with a technique anyway. Yeah. So when it comes down to actually working, mm -hmm. you are, you are, your job is to replicate and beautify someone's, someone's vision. Uh, vision. Thank mm -hmm. you. So after that, it's, you might never do a Graham piece. Yes. You might never do a Horton piece, yes, but you will do somebody else's work and that exactly. is and their work is a combination of all yes. the things that they've exposed and they might have never trained in any of those things and they just happen to like a lateral T and how it looks. Exactly. But with a ballet foundation, you could you could put that on your body. Exactly. Exactly. And ooh, it's bush. really it's <laughs> and it's really about having the vocabulary to express what the what yeah. the choreographer is looking for. Yeah. And I think ballet in my mind, is the A E I O U of dance. Like, if you don't have the vowels, then then nothing is happening. That's my personal. Oh my God, that's such a good way to that's, put it. That's, that's my personal way of looking <laughs> yeah. at it. Because if you don't have that base technique, you can be a great dancer. But in terms of the technique and the lines that we look for in ballet, yeah, and in dance in general, yeah. it just might be there's yeah. a little imp of something missing. And, you know what I mean? And if you look at the Sylvie Games and Carlos Acosta's of this world, mm -hmm. they came from ballet, mm -hmm. and their their foundation is in ballet, and then as they developed as performers and professionals they branched out into different techniques yes. and different choreographers mm -hmm. and that's that's they're those people and they're that talented and they've had the careers they've had for a reason so i have i have another interesting question for you so let's come back to your time in the u.s you, mm -hmm. you were Aidan foley you um Ailey Fordham. Ailey Fordham, <laughs> you had Ailey Fordham and yeah. you did this amazing program that's very and and from what i remember of the program i wasn't in it but i did dance at the school mm -hmm. a very structured program rigorous very rigorous very structured program mm -hmm. there are a lot of dancers who don't get to that level right there are a lot of dancers that are in bigger or smaller cities mm -hmm. that are dancing at their local studio yep do you know what i mean where they are not exposed to um the technique and the training that you've mm -hmm. been what is your advice for them wow i mean i think my advice for someone in that situation is you need to decide if you want to do it or not because it's not it's not just a job mm -hmm. it's not just a hobby it's a lifestyle mm -hmm. um so if you want to do this and this is going to sound really horrible probably but you also then need to get out of your local school and studio and you need to find you need you need to get to somewhere like Ailey that can give you that training because it's a very 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 talented world out there and there are so many people like yes. when I think about the Lion King auditions and one time I went over to the States to help them with auditions and I was gobsmacked by the sheer number of people that came out for two roles that we had available, two ensemble roles. And at that time, it was at the 42nd Street Studios, if I remember correctly. So it was mm -hmm. on 42nd Street between Amsterdam and something else. Mm -hmm. And we all know how long New York blocks are, mm -hmm. right? This line went around the block, literally. It was like 1,500 people deep. Yep for two roles it was one of the longest days of my life and I was just like oh my god if I have to sing aha hiya one more time and do lioness chant one more time I'm going to quit but like that was one of the things that really like that that thing about fame and mm -hmm. that fame storyline and like you have to go to the big city it's real it is because that's it also is. where you're going to get the jobs that pay you real money and mm -hmm. I don't I do not think it's fair or right for any artist, be it a dancer, a musician. If you are working on your craft and you love your craft, you need to be focusing on that. You like waiting tables, ain't fair. You work too hard, you put too much of yourself emotionally, physically, and it's just not fair. Yeah, 
you shouldn't have to do three jobs to survive. And the reality is you're not going to get those jobs unless you leave your local studio. And you, and you put in the time. That and, and you, yeah, and you, you also have to surround yourself by, by people who are in that space as well with you mm-hmm. because I think that matters so much. It I does. think it does. And training the way I train and being at Fordham and being with all those other dancers and all of us on the same journey and path. And like, I mean, when we started our program, we started with 35. We graduated with 13. Yeah, it's not for everyone. It's not for everyone. It's one of those programs that makes you decide. And you also do a full academic program as well. So you have to be into school as well. Mm -hmm. But, like, if you didn't have those people with you and around you, and those are people that I may not see them for years, and these are my people. They will always be my people. Yes, that supports us very important. And we supported each other through so many different things. And so many things I don't even remember now, but if any one of them were to touch down in London now and be like, I need X, Y, and Z, I'm like, yep, what you need, I'm there. And Mm -hmm. there's nothing, there's no questions. Mm -hmm. But they were also the people that I competed against and made me a better dancer and made me the dancer who's able to come back from injuries, come back from a surgery, and then make the decision to leave my career and retire from dancing at the top of my game with Disney still going, you sure you don't want to stay? Like, we'll give you this amount of money. And I'm like, yeah, nah, I need evenings and weekends now. Yeah. And feel okay with that and be yeah. happy with that and know that I had the career that I wanted to have. Okay, girlfriend. Man, you just kind of like jumped into Sorry. a whole other thing. Yeah, no, no, this is good stuff. I just, you know, like, I feel like we could talk forever. Yeah, we could. We, we could. Really, there's so we much watch. to dig into here. Hey guys, we just wrapped up part one with Mazara Bartels. Stay tuned for part two of her series where we dive into her worst experience with a dance injury as she works with the Lion King in London's West End as dance captain. See you soon. Do you have comments, questions, or want to share your unique experience? Check the episode cliff notes to shoot me a message. We want to hear from you. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and you've learned some new things and mostly connected with the process and experiences of these amazing dancers. See you next time.